What started as an homage to a vaudeville superstar ended as the most iconic TV bit of all time when Lucille Ball said that faithful mouthful, Vitamita Vegemin. So why don't you join the thousands of happy peppy people and listen to this episode right now? It's the Ricardo Project, and it's time for Lucy Does a TV Commercial. Hello, my beautiful Tropicanas. Welcome back to the Ricardo Project, the podcast where we watch through I Love Lucy episode by episode and talk about its historical, emotional, and comedic impact. My name is Dana, and I'm so glad that you've joined me today for the most iconic episode of the entire series. I can't believe that we are at the classic Lucy moment. We're talking about season one, episode 30, Lucy Does a TV Commercial, which premiered 70 years ago today on May 5th, 1952. So let's just get straight into it. Here is what happens in Lucy Does a TV Commercial. We open with Lucy doing something super domestic. She's darning Ricky's sock. Um, But of course, because she's Lucy, she sewed up the top by mistake. She is wearing, by the way, I think it's important to note, like a Dolly Parton level sparkly top. It is so fabulous. And right as Ricky is getting ready to leave for work, Jerry, the mysterious agent, calls. And he can't find a girl to do a commercial for this like big television debut that Ricky is having. And of course, Ricky, being not an unintelligent person, sees that Lucy's ears have completely perked up at the mention of needing a girl to do a a commercial on television. Um, And he has this very cute moment where he starts speaking in Spanish to keep her from hearing. Ricky, of course, says no to Lucy immediately because it's a huge opportunity for him and Lucy doesn't have enough experience, which... Look, I think that Ricky is kind of a bad husband. He's not super supportive of his wife in many ways. Like, he's a great husband in many ways and a terrible one in many ways. This is the one instance in which I totally agree with Ricky. Like, this is your big break. You need professionals around you. You can't be like, I want to cast my wife and then potentially never get hired again when this could be like a whole new opener for your career. So I actually, as much as I hate to do it, I agree with Ricky. This is one time where he he should have told her no. After Ricky leaves, Fred shows up. Ethel is visiting her mother, and Fred is, like, completely bored and lonely without her. It's really cute. And we get my favorite duo of the show, Lucy and Fred, because we all know that I'm a Fred Mertz apologist. Lucy commiserates with Fred about how Ricky doesn't believe in her, and then she gets this idea to do her own, like, fake TV show to show Ricky how good she is. It's at this moment that I want to pause and say, this is exactly why I love Fred. Because Fred just says, okay, great. And he offers to help her. He offers to come in and support what she's doing and convince Ricky that this is a great idea. And it's at this moment that I'd like to say, I I believe this to be true. I think of the four, the core four, Fred is the best friend. He's the one you would call when you need help because he'll always show up and help you out. He'll always support your scheme. He supports your dreams. He says yes to you. Is he the best spouse? No. Is is he the coolest? No. But Fred is ride or die, 100%. Best friend of the group. Fight me. Anyway, that night, uh, Fred points to the TV and tells Ricky that there's a wonderful show that's on and 
Lucy has taken out all the inside of the TV so that she can sit inside of it. It's very cute. She's dressed as the, um, the Philip Morris, like uh, in an homage to the Philip Morris character, which was the sponsor of I Love Lucy. Um, and she has this cute moment where she's like holding a cigarette and she drops it outside of the television, has to reach through to to, to grab it. Ricky goes to like pretend to turn off the TV or change the channel and Lucy kind of breaks from her script to yell at him to sit back down. This all comes to a crashing halt when Ricky decides to plug the television in and it basically explodes. Lucy's life is at stake. Don't plug stuff in when your your wife is inside of it. It just uh it like right when I was starting to be on Ricky's team, he really lost me with electrocuting her. Anyway, The next morning, Lucy is pouting in bed. Ricky is begging for breakfast like an incompetent little baby man, Um, but Lucy won't budge. And so Ricky calls up Fred and asks him to come to the apartment because he needs someone to wait by the phone for when the girl who's going to do the commercial calls to tell her where to like check in. And of course, Lucy hears this and she tells Fred to leave and that she's going to go ahead and, and give this message to the girl. And of course... We all know where this is going. She tells the girl that they've found someone else. They won't need her after all. And it's time. Lucy's going to do the commercial. We made it to Vitamita Vegemin. Vitamita Vegemin is a tonic. It contains vitamins, meat, vegetables, and minerals. And we find out from Joe, who is, I can only imagine, a production manager, a stage manager, that Vitamita Vegemin also is 23% alcohol. So Lucy comes in, she talks to the commercial director who, correct me if I'm wrong, but this guy's kind of hot, right? Like he, is he hot? He's hot. Or am I at like a weird stage of pregnancy where I'm just attracted to people? I don't know. My thirst level has gone up on this podcast in the last couple of weeks. Regardless, Lucy talks to the hot commercial director. She says her last name is McGillicuddy. Uh, she's asked to be bright and vivacious. She runs through the first commercial. She does pretty well, actually. I mean, she's like, I mean, it's a little heavy handed, her, her kind of dry run commercial performance, but that's what you need for that commercial. It's going well until she has to taste it. The face reaction is what really starts off this iconic moment. It is a full 14 seconds, I counted, of just her face reacting to what she's had to swallow. It's unbelievable. No two seconds are alike. It's it's so funny. Clearly, this stuff tastes like garbage, which makes sense because it's a liquid tonic that contains vitamins, meat, and vegetables and minerals. It's too many things. And alcohol. So the director tells her that she has to like it, so she has to do another sip. And it's better, but it's still not great. She does it a third time, and she kind of fixes her face in this, like, frozen smile. So for those of you keeping score at home, she's now had three tablespoons of a 23% alcohol. And it's it's a hard alcohol. It's not like she's having a fine wine um, in about a minute. At that moment, Ricky enters the room, and he sees Lucy, and he's mad. But he he knows, like, it's very clear that he can't do anything about it. So what's he going to do? And she performs for Ricky. And now that she can stomach the taste of the tonic, it's a pretty good performance. But then we start to get the first sign that something's going to go wrong because in the middle of a sentence, she has a big hiccup. And that's like our cue as the audience that things are about to take a turn. So the director has has her run it again from when she tastes the tonic 
so that's five tablespoons now. And um, she starts to break and she says that it, it, it actually tastes pretty good once you get used to it. She goes again, has another taste, loses the lines, has to start the whole commercial or, over. And that's when she has her first kind of speech mess up. She, instead of saying little bottle, she says bit a lottle. And the alcohol hits her like a freight train. She starts to slur. She gets kind of slow and giddy and adorable. She kind of smacks her lips a lot. She does the commercial again, but not before pausing to kind of like flirt with the director and tell him he's very nice. And I was, I literally wrote in my notes, ooh, because I guess I didn't pick up, she's flirting with him, right? I didn't pick up on this. Anyway, this run through, she is sloshed. (laughs) There's no way around it. We get um, a very iconic line, at least in my world, where instead of saying, uh, do you poop out at parties? Are you unpopular? She says, do you pop out at parties? Are you unpopular? She struggles to pour the tonic onto the spoon until she just glugs it. She pats the bottle like it's a baby. She is so drunk. It's amazing. I actually, I, I, there's no possible way to describe how great this scene is. If you're here, you've seen it a hundred times probably. Just in case you you want a little reminder, I have linked to the scene in in the um, in the show notes. So just take a little watch. Um, so the director has her take a nap, and then we cut to showtime. And Lucy is missing; she is not in the dressing room where she was put down. So they have to start the show without her. And Ricky comes out in a tux. He's looking dapper. He sings a song. He is feeling himself. He is showing off. He is putting his best foot forward for this thing. And at that exact moment, while Ricky is mid-song, Lucy stumbles out, clearly having drunk the rest of the Vitamita Vegemin. And she sees that Ricky is there being suave and handsome, and she goes to try to kiss him. And then she starts singing along. She says hi to Fred and Ethel when she sees the camera. She launches into the commercial. And finally, Ricky just panic carries her off the stage. And that's the end of the most important episode of I Love Lucy ever. Now, usually I do my reaction and then my, and my like thoughts on the episode. And then I finish with historical notes, but this episode is so historically impactful that I'm just going to start there and save my reaction and kind of larger scale response for the end. So here are the historical notes. There are quite a few. So Vitamina Vegemin was not a real product, obviously. Who would ever sign off on that? It was actually um, apple pectin, which is just like a really sweet kind of cooked down syrup that is like basically all the sugar of apples, you know, really, really, really condensed. And Lucille Ball apparently hated drinking it because it was so sweet. The scene where Lucy is kind of dressed in the little Philip Morris character outfit and inside the TV had some very, very clear references to Philip Morris, which was the sponsor of I Love Lucy, as I said. But tobacco advertisements were actually banned from broadcast television in the 70s. So in later reruns of the show, that's been cut out. So my version didn't have those references. Um there are certain versions that do have that. The DVD release has it. I actually usually watch the episodes on DVD, but I didn't this week. So I'm going to try to rewatch it and see what the difference is. Maybe I'll report back next week. Anyway, so we also discussed that Ethel was absent from the episode. She's only absent from the show five times, and this is one of them. 
And I've re- she originally had a scene at the end of the episode, which was obviously cut. I don't know if she ended up filming it or not, but it was in the original script. And um, this is really a rumor. I don't know if it's true, but I read some reports that the reason behind her absence was likely due to um, a difficult uh, and uh, abusive marriage that she was in. And apparently she – the rumor is that she just needed a little break. Like she just – wasn't able to be there that week. And if that's true, that's very, very sad. Other notes. Uh, the dress that Lucille Ball during the famous Vitamina Vegemin scene is currently owned by actress Laura Dern, an icon always Laura Dern. You can hear Desi Arnaz laughing during the Vitamina Vegemin scene because um, he's clearly watching and you can see that he's really trying not to break in scenes that he's in with her while she's playing drunk. Additionally, this is the first time that Lucy used her maiden name as her, like, alias. Um, she kind of does this in the marriage license a little bit, um, but not really. Like, this is – she's using it as, like, her stage name, McGillicuddy, and she will continue to do this throughout the rest of the series. This episode became so unbelievably popular immediately that there were letters sent in to CBS to re-air the episode, and they ended up doing so later in the series run, but syndication and reruns weren't really a thing for television at the time. Television was such a new medium. They would air movies and things like that on repeat. I mean, my parents tell me all the time about how they grew up watching Wizard of Oz on television. But like rerunning an episode of TV was not a thing yet. And so I think it's safe to argue that in many ways, Vitamina Vegemin is responsible for the invention of the rerun. So we have them to thank. It took Lucille Ball just one take to do all of that. And we've talked about that before, that they they did the show like a play. And then finally, it's important to note that Vitamina Vegemin is not an original sketch. It was actually inspired by a sketch uh, by Red Skelton. And it was called Guzzler's Gin or Guzzler's Tonic. It was a part of his vaudeville routine in the 30s. And he, Red Skelton was a friend of Lucy's and actually gave her permission to use it in I Love Lucy. Um, and Red Skelton will appear in the Lucy Desi comedy hour of the episode where they go to Alaska and they have a beautiful mime clown routine together in that episode that I'm so excited to watch again. And I've linked a copy of the Guzzler's Gin performance in the show notes below as well. You can definitely see where I Love Lucy changed it and modified it and edited it. And you can see how it was made more for television than for the stage. But it's definitely worth a watch. It is the reason we have Vitamina Vegemin. Now we've talked about what happens in the episode. And we've talked about these large, longer-term cultural impacts of the episode. And... Now for my kind of reaction section, I want to talk about the comedic mechanics of the episode. There are a couple of other I Love Lucy rewatch podcasts, and they're very good. And I know that once they all get to this episode, they're going to have their own take on it. And I feel like my unique contribution is going to be a breakdown of why this episode is so magnificent comedically. So I've identified a couple of things that go on mechanically throughout this just magical vitamin of vegemin bit. So the first thing is the setup. We learn before Lucy even comes into the rehearsal room that there is alcohol in the tonic. And this allows the audience to anticipate an outcome. 
I've talked before about how surprise is very important in comedy, but equally important is telling the audience where to put their eyes, where to look. And so because Joe, the production manager, tells us that there's 23% alcohol in the tonic, we know that every time Lucy takes a, a slug of the tonic, that that is going to lead to something new. And so we watch each sip with bated breath for when the consequence is going to come. Like, imagine for a minute if we didn't know in advance about the alcohol content and Lucy just started to slip. And then at the end, they said, oh, there's 23% alcohol in this. It doesn't have that same impact, you know? That first hiccup would still be funny, but it wouldn't make us all lean forward to see what comes next. We might not even notice it or we might think it was a blooper. And as she got drunker, we'd be trying to solve the puzzle of what was happening to her. And we'd be so busy doing that that we wouldn't be able to fully enjoy the ride. So this one moment is really, really critical to the entire bit's success because it sets us up to know what to expect so that we can fully enjoy it when those moments come. The second part that is really critical to the bit's success is the stakes of the scene. We know that Lucy needs to nail this commercial and we've established that Ricky doesn't believe in her. And the kind of established rule to accomplish these stakes to, 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 to beat the stakes is that Lucy Ricardo has to push through her drunkenness to get her big break. But at the same time, it's, it's not like someone's going to die if she doesn't succeed. It's this perfect amount of, of stakes where both the audience and the character want her to do well, but we can still laugh when she doesn't. And these stakes go hand in hand with Lucille Ball's greatest comedic asset, which is her perfection and her failure, because she can fail at a task in the most entertaining way possible. And when she does, because we've established exactly what it means for her to fail, it, it frees us up to really enjoy it because we're not worried about her, but we also know that it matters a lot. It's just a really good balance. And then finally, we have the element of surprise. <laughs> the most fun way to get a laugh by doing something unexpected. So we've established that we know that Lucy's going to get drunk. We've established that we know it's in her best interest to not appear drunk. The comic magic comes from these two things meeting in the middle and allowing us to be surprised and delighted by how that manifests in Lucy's performance of the commercial. I talk so much about repetition on the pod. It's like I'm trying to do my own version of repetition. I mean, as recently as last week, I brought this up, but this example is a great example yet again of why that is so critical because many fans know the Vitamita Vegemin script by rote but even a casual viewer would be able to easily identify when she begins to get off track because they've done this really, really exquisite job of firmly planting the script in our minds. And the consistent refrain that, that Lucy has of, it's so tasty too, followed by a spoonful of the tonic, it tells us that the drunkenness is going to ratchet up again. It's like a new reset button in our minds. It signals us to prepare for the next surprise. And, he, and then, even with all of these expectations built, we get all these elements colliding, and we just get to sit on the edge of our chairs and revel in Lucille Ball's special way of doing things. And 
that surprise, you know, the way she mispronounces Vitamina Vegemin, the way she chugs the bottle when she can't get it onto the spoon, these moments are just such a release and a joy. And it brings all of these mechanical elements together. Now, with all that said, (laughs) mechanics, even the very best mechanics, do not make something funny by default. Structure and strategy and rehearsal and knowing what you're doing is important, but it's only half of the puzzle. And the other half is having someone who has the ability to do it. And Lucille Ball is perfection. It blows my mind to say this, but this was not her favorite I Love Lucy episode. She preferred the more broad comedic strokes of the grape stomping sequence in Italy, which that's a great sequence, don't get me wrong, but this is unbelievable to me. And this performance from her is like, I can't believe I'm using this word, but it, it's all I have. It's its gentle. The way she makes dimples that I never knew she had in order to make herself seem more innocent, more sweet as she gets drunker. The instinct to temper her drunkenness with, with this unbelievable tenderness and then the brutishness of just chugging the bottle. And then the brutishness of just chugging the bottle how she transforms that first sip into a 14-second long reaction that will never not be funny. No one else could do this. No one else could do what she does. Her charisma and her subtlety and her reserve only to unleash these like broader, more wild moments while never being out of control is a masterpiece. I think it's important to note that I Love Lucy – which is an ensemble show, albeit one with a very clear lead character, but it is an ensemble show nonetheless. It can survive and thrive with what is essentially a solo performance because Lucille Ball is just that freaking good. There really is an innate magic to all four of them being together, but it just can't go understated that Lucille Ball could take 10 minutes of the stage essentially alone. And this episode isn't just great, it's it's astronomical. Lastly, I know this episode means so much to so many people. I think that's really what makes this episode so important to me. Just what it means to everyone. I'm pretty sure that anyone who's bought I Love Lucy merchandise probably has something related to this episode in their house. I certainly did. I had the cinnamon candies that came in the Vitamita Vegemin bottle. They were really big in the mid-2000s amongst the fans. Does anyone else have those? They were put in my Christmas stocking one year. And I just want to take an opportunity to pause and reflect on the fact that watching this show really does feel like coming home. There are certain episodes like this one that just make me feel less alone. I think about the people that I've met through this show, young, old, super fans, folks with just one tangential memory. And I remember all the times when I was young that Lucy and Ricky and Ethel and Fred, they felt like friends. They felt like family. And to all of us who sat reciting the Vitamina Vegemin script along with Lucy, like we have each other now and, and not just the show. And I'm really thankful for that. I mean, this show really did propel my entire creative life from the type of writing that I do to the plays that I perform in and write and the work that I like to watch. And now through this podcast and through this rewatch, I get to remember and meet 
other people just like me out there. And I just want to say hello again and welcome home. So next week, we will be watching the publicity agent. Um, and here's the logline for that. Ricky becomes depressed when he feels his publicity is waning. So Lucy dreams up a stunt, which involves her posing as the Maharincess of Franistan at Ricky's club. This was on my tapes. I'm very excited to watch this one again. I haven't seen this since I was like nine. I'm so excited. So if you're enjoying this podcast, please subscribe, rate and review, tell your friends. These are the best ways to support the show. If you'd like to support the show financially, you can make a one-time donation on PayPal, or you can buy a book um, through bookshop.org off of my bookshop shop. A lot of the books that I use for my research are in there, and you get a book that you like, and uh, it supports the show financially. We, we still get a small donation from every purchase made from our bookshop shop. Both of the links for those are in the show notes. So thank you so much for listening, and I will see you all next week. Thank you so much for listening to The Ricardo Project. It means more to me than you know. If you'd like to get in touch for any reason whatsoever, I would be honored to hear from you. You can reach me on Instagram at The Ricardo Project, on Twitter at Ricardo underscore project, and by email at project at gmail.com. Again, if you enjoyed this episode, please consider rating and reviewing this podcast, subscribing, telling a friend about it. Have a wonderful weekend, and we will be back next week with The Publicity Agent.